we did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. Hi, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Stories of the Supernatural. Wherever you find us, whether it's a video on YouTube or on your favorite podcast platform, please like and subscribe to us so that you can get notification of when a new show is released. You can also find us on major social media platforms where I give you a heads up about upcoming shows and which date and time they will be aired. If you go to MiamiGhostChronicles.com, you can find links to the shows, MP3 files which you can download, or links to your favorite platform like iTunes, Spreaker, SoundCloud, and all other major sources. You can find information for upcoming and past talk show appearances as well as new book projects at MarlenePardo.com. You can also purchase books and merchandise there. And you can visit my author page on Amazon at Marlene Pardo Pelliser. Due to popular demand, I'm narrating my true believer stories that have collected throughout the years in a new series called Supernatural Storytime. You can find links at SupernaturalStoryTime.com. If you are into classic horror, ghosts, and adventure stories, I narrate some of those at Nightshade Diary. And you can find links at NightshadeDiary.com. If you would like to read noteworthy news about the paranormal world, true crime, conspiracy stories, and anything that is just plain weird, you can visit the Stranger Than Fiction Stories tab at MiamiGhostChronicles.com. I do want to thank you all for being part of my audience, and I think you are all wonderful. Hi everybody, this is Marley with Miami Ghost Chronicles, Stories of the Supernatural. How's everybody doing today? Good, I hope. Uh, I'm doing well. The farm is doing well. My chickens are doing well. Um, my trees are doing well. A lot of rain, which as you guys have heard from me before, is a good thing. Even when you're a micro farmer, rain is a good thing. We've had a few dry days, which is good. It's good. It's, you know, when you get one extreme or the other, that when, that's when things get crazy. But yeah, things are good. And it's really funny because I'm going into the stores and I'm seeing things for Halloween and Christmas. I walked into a Walmart and they've got Christmas trees up and I'm like, wait, stop, wait. Especially in South Florida where, you know, we're hitting like 90 degrees every day and it's like, yeah, I'm used to that as far as the Christmas season. It wouldn't be the first Christmas I had where it was in the 80s, but still it's like, wait, hold on. You know, uh, it's, it's really funny. All the gardening stuff is gone. Everything is gone. And I walked in and as a matter of fact, um, one of the guys was, I, I usually putter around in the gardening department. So I, I've known some of the employees that have been there a while. And they had used one of the guys to put up all the um, 
all the fake trees up, you know, and, and he was like, yeah, and, you know, he connected them because some of them light up. And I walked in there because the display is right when you walk into the store out of the gardening department, and it was like, huh? Christmas trees? So to me, it was like, okay, reality check time. Here we go into what I call a home stretch of the year, okay, which is Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. And then a new year all over again. It's like, what happened? What happened? Uh, so, yeah, uh, it's like, and, and, you know, sometimes I guess, and, and I, like I said, I've lived here all my life, but we don't have the seasons, like when you go to other parts of the country, that you have this, like the Indian summer, and then, you know, the weather starts turning chilly, and then, you know, eventually if you got any snowfall where you're at, I don't have any of that. But the only thing here I would say is that once, you know, which by the way, we've got our fingers crossed because now in November we get out of hurricane season. Uh, and a few weeks ago we had Dorian, which we were like, oh God, thank God. Even though it just like, psh, it wiped out the, the Bahamas. But anyway, the good thing for us besides, you know, that the temperature gets a little bit better and drier is of course the end of the hurricane season. But we don't have that demarcation. We, it's, it's subtropical here. So again, yeah, you do that double take. But anyway, let's get to the good part. The good part is who I have as a guest. And today I have a very interesting guest. Her name is Deborah Moffitt, Debbie Moffitt. And let me tell you a little bit about her story, okay? The Moffitts were a typical American family until the caretaker of their ailing grandmother performed an ancient ritual intended for healing, but instead unleashed a powerful and terrifying demon, one of the seven princes of the devil himself. Uh, not surprisingly, their lives were torn apart as this malevolent entity haunted and tormented them for eight years, even following them outside of their home and you know in other shows we've talked about situations like this are happening to some family or individuals now dozens of notable light workers came to rid them of this powerful evil monster but to no avail a promise of revenge from a past life was the bridge that brought him into their lives and the secret permission of one family member that was allowed which is what allowed the demon to stay uh, the demon set his sinister intentions on an unholy and deadly blood sacrifice and the taking of an eternal soul. And the family had to fight for its sanity, life, and salvation. This is a true story. So please help me in welcoming uh, Debbie Moffitt. How are you doing today, Debbie? I'm fine, thank you. Uh, let me tell you something. I'm reading that, and it's not the first time I read it. And wow. But I'm going to ask you what I ask all my guests. Obviously, this was something that was, for lack of a better word, very understandably, understandably uh, tormented your, and really put your family, I imagine, through a ringer emotionally and at all levels. But prior to this, did you ever have any experiences with a supernatural paranormal world? The only thing that ever happened to me was visiting Fort Oswego one summer. My sister and I were going through the fort, and I saw what I thought was a ghost in, okay. in uh, one of the buildings. Other than that, nothing. That was it. So in other yeah. words, this, this was not, when you start having these experiences, because there's people that I've spoken to that ever since basically they're in the cradle, they were either witnessing or having paranormal experiences. So uh, they, they kind of like, sometimes they spend their whole lives. So let, let's, let's go to... I mean, it sounds here, what happened? Your, the grandmother, which was this your grandmother or your mom? Who was the person that no, this, was... In... This 
was my husband's grandmother. Oh, I see. That, uh, she had a stroke and she needed care. Mm-hmm. She lived lived next door to them in a house, and they had uh, a housekeeper from Guatemala came mm-hmm. to take care of her. Now, okay. I don't, this this lady was a nice lady. I don't okay. believe I wasn't there at the time, so I can just tell you what was told to me. Right. Uh, she was a nice lady, mm-hmm. and anything she did, my mother-in-law thought she did because she wanted to keep my my uh, husband's grandmother alive so that she didn't have to go back to Guatemala. Right, because in other words, so her job hinged on your on this on on his grandmother being alive. Is basically yeah. what you're saying. Okay, yeah, I understand. Right. So, what I take it that what she progressively how, how long was she taking care of this lady? How, how long was she taking care of your mother? I think it was like two two or three years she was there with her. Oh, okay. Okay. And she and she took very good care of her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then what happened? You you guys nothing during those two or three years, nothing happened or did anything kind of like uh, did anything maybe not as intense, uh, uh, but uh, yeah. I can reiterate here, I wasn't there, so like I said, this oh, is okay. just hearsay. Well, then, okay. Nothing that they knew of was, was taken at that time. The only thing they knew was after the mother, my husband's grandmother died, mm-hmm. that's when this was brought to light. Up oh. until that point, everything was calm. Oh, little, little things like a lot of times my mother-in-law would say she didn't want her to come in the house. She would say, oh, she's sleeping, don't things like that, but nothing that you would think anything was going on. Right, right. No, the reason why I asked is that, you know, uh, how sometimes, of course, in hindsight, maybe somebody visiting said, you know, I had like a weird feeling or I saw something unusual, but nothing intense, you know, but at that point, you know, you just disregard it, you know, either because right. it's, it's, it's a one-time thing or your imagination, and it's only in the context later on that you say, wow, now I realize back then. So, so what you're saying is, while this, your mother-in-law was alive, you know, everything was good. And so then... Well, yeah, the grandmother. The grandmother. Yeah. And then what happened? You know, it's such a complex story. Okay, no, no. And, I'm, and I apologize. So she... I imagine she passed away. And she passed away in the hospital. That night, uh, Juanita went back to the house because she was living with there. Mm-hmm. And in the middle of the night, she called up my mother-in-law who lived next door screaming for help. She said, help me, help me, you have to help me. And oh. my mother-in-law sent her son and his cousin up to see if everything was all right. And this was told to me by my husband. He said, when they got up there, Juanita was running out of the house, and behind her was this, like, ball of light. And what? it was almost like chasing her out of the house. And he said, it, when she ran, the ball came out into the yard and then just went up into the air and dissipated. Juanita ran to next door to my mother-in-law and screamed at her and said she was sorry. She apologized. She said she didn't mean for this to happen. But she said, please, never go in that house again. It, it, don't ever go in that house again. Wow. And then she called up a friend of hers, and in the middle of the night, they came and picked her up, and they never heard from her again. Well, a couple of weeks went by, and they were taking care of funeral arrangements and everything. Mm-hmm. And then they had time to go to the house to clean it. Okay. And when they went to the house to clean it, my mother-in-law found bird feathers, blood, mm-hmm. strange symbols on the floor, wax, where candles were, symbols 
was on some walls. Mm-hmm. So she got really spooked. She didn't know what had happened. Um, right. My father-in-law helped her. They cleaned the whole house out. Right. And, and they kind of just tucked that away because everything kind of was calm at the time. Mm-hmm. And then things didn't start to manifest till a few years later. Right. And I see what you're saying. This is weird, but okay. Uh, right. Exactly. And... So how what, what did they do with the home? Did they somebody live it? Did they sell it? Did they rent it out? They, they cleaned it out, and mm-hmm. it was it was a nice little house. They rented it out. They rented it out to a single gentleman. Mm-hmm. And the only strange thing that Bill told me that happened was a few months after um, he was living there, he came to my husband and asked him if someone had died in the house. Oh. And my husband told him no. There was, my grandmother lived there, but she died in the hospital. Right. And that's the only thing was ever brought up. So if something was happening there, they didn't know about it. Then okay. and Bill and I got together, and uh, Bill had a, heart, a bad heart. Okay. So we decided to live with his mother and father. He, there were three houses on the corner lot. This is in Rancho Cucamonga on mm-hmm. Archibald. If you ever go there, you can still see the lot, which is strange. After okay. 30 years, this prime location is completely empty and no one has ever bought it. Interesting. So there were three houses. It was my grandma, uh, the grandmother's house, my mother-in-law's house, and Bill's house. Well, Bill's house wasn't well, so we moved in with mother and father. Mm-hmm. We decided to rent out his house, which is on the other side. Uh, um, this is when things started to happen. Uh, the gentleman moved in. Okay. He Now, he never complained about anything, but my husband rented out the house, but he kept one room in the house for his sports memorabilia. It was an expensive, you know, collection, mm-hmm. but he kept it locked. So the gentleman knew that we would be coming down periodically to check on it. Right. So we went down one day to check on the, the sports collection, unlocked the door to the, to the room where it was collected, and all the bobbleheads, he had like baseball bobbleheads, mm-hmm. were taken off the wall and put on the floor in the shape of a triangle. That's weird. Now, that was the very first thing that I witnessed okay. that had happened. And, of, of course, you, you don't think, oh, some, some thing's doing it. Right. We, we, we surmised, well, the gentleman got in the room somehow and was just playing around with the, the sports stuff. Because that's what you would think. Of course. Uh, we confronted him about it. He said he hadn't been in the room. He, he just really just used the apartment to come home, sleep, and, and change. That's really, he wasn't there that often. But we changed the lock on the door just in case. Right. And we, we decided to keep a little more. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. You know, come a little more often to check on it. Then uh, strange things started happening. Things started appearing. My mother-in-law was a very religious woman. And next to her bed, she had a, a chest. And she had all stat- religious statues on it. And every night she used to pray before she went to bed. Well, she woke up one morning, and on, on the statue of Jesus was a, mar- a pair of men's briefs. Wow. Now, That's now weird. the people the people in our house are not small. They're big people. 
So these were small briefs. So she said, you know, what's going on? She thought one of us was playing a trick. Uh You know, what are you guys doing playing with my statues? Don't do that. That's disrespectful. And we all said, well, none of us did it. So we couldn't figure out. No one could break in the house. We had dogs. We would have known if someone broke in. We had no idea where it came from. Well, this was just the start of the airports. Then soon we started getting jewelry. We started getting uh, all different kinds of things. And then we started getting receipts, some paperwork. And the paperwork had the name of our tenant on them. Wow. So we, we thought, well, this, yeah. So we could, we could not figure out what was happening. So we, then some things started coming that were expensive things. I remember one thing came was a beautiful man's watch. Well, we didn't want this gentleman to think when, when we went down to the house we were taking his items. Right. So we thought, well, we'll take this back and put it in his house. So, you know, he'll find it and think he just misplaced it. Uh-huh. We went down, my husband and I put it in the house. Before we could get back to my mother-in-law's house, it was already back on the, on the chest. Oh, and did, no, was no, this about no, the time that you guys were thinking, we okay, think this is this is weird. This is like... <laughs> yeah, because it's, your brain's trying to understand what's going on because it's like something, this can't happen, but it was happening. Yes, absolutely. So then we went down to talk to him again, and we noticed over the light switches in the house were strange symbols. There was a triangle, and at the middle of the triangle at the bottom was a squiggle. Mm-hmm. Tail. And there were uh, X's and different symbols. I don't even remember what they were. They were strange symbols. And we confronted him again. Why are you writing on the wall? He said, I'm not putting those symbols there. I don't know where they've come from. Oh. And like two days after that, he told us, I'm moving out. This was on a Thursday. And by Sunday, he was gone. He had just moved out. He was gone. And how long was he there? Uh, well, we thought... Probably a month and a half. That was it? So, it, yeah, he was just there a little bit of time. But we thought, well, that's good that he's gone because right. that he was doing these kind of strange things. And whatever was happening was probably associated with him. Right. So if he goes, we're back to normal. Uh-huh. Didn't happen. About a week after he left, we decided to go in and clean up. He was a very, very cleanly man. So everything was in pretty good shape. So we came in just to you know some dusting and things. We came into the house. I remember walking in with my husband. He went to his room to check on his sports things, and I glanced at the room to see what needed to be done. And along the, uh, it was a living room. Along the uh, wall of the one wall of the living room on the top, like a shelf was at the very, very top of the of the wall. You'd have to get on a ladder to get to it. And I noticed. I said, "Oh, this is going to have to be dusted." And I looked at because there was it was like fifteen, sixteen knickknacks up there mm-hmm. that had belonged to his aunt. And I remember I call, turned around just for a second to say to call to my husband, and I looked back at these items on the shelf, and they were turned backwards. Oh. Without a sound, in the blink of an eye, all these items were backwards. Debbie, did you wig out? I would have wigged out. No, no, this is a strange thing. That's what everybody asked me. I I wasn't a bit frightened. To me, it was more, what just happened? This uh-huh. can't happen. It was more uh, like I was. I wanted to know what was going on. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any fear. At the at this time in the house, there were no negative feelings. There, it was just like an 
a nice open air house. There, you didn't have this feeling when you walked in something bad was there or anything. Right. So I wasn't a bit frightened. Now that was in contrast to my husband, <laughs> who was petrified of this kind of things. But I, I told him when I came out, I said, "Bill," and I tried to explain to him what happened. Well, of course, he said, "What happened?" You looked, and then when you looked back, you didn't notice it the first time because things like that can't happen. I said, "Okay, Bill," but it happened. And, you know, you don't want to argue. So I said, "Well, maybe you know, maybe he's right because mm-hmm. you want to think what's real and what's not real." So the first thing was, "Yeah, you know what? Maybe he's right." So we just we looked around what needed to be done. We were going to come back and do it. Um, everything was was quiet at the house, and we went back again, like two days later, just just do a little cleaning. Walked into the house, and in the middle of the living room was a lamp from the bedroom. <laughs> okay. Now the first thing my husband says, "Oh, oh, someone broke in, right. and they were taking things, and they just left this in the." In the but mm-hmm. we looked through the whole house. There was no way anyone had gotten in, and nothing else was moved with this lamp. And I said, Bill, you're going to have to face it. Something's here. And I, th- I actually think a part of me was excited because I was experiencing something that was not normal. Do you know, it wasn't like in your everyday right. life that you experienced. It was something new. Yes. So my, my brain was saying, well, well, you know, what's going on? Bill was very, very frightened. But I said, something's here. So I started saying, if something's here, move something. Let me know you're here. Well, nothing happened. We walked into the kitchen. We came back out. We weren't in the kitchen more than two minutes at the most. We came back out, and all the living room furniture was moved to the center of the of the room. What? <laughs> Not a sound. You didn't hear a sound. And Bill, by this time, Bill was at the door ready to leave. And <laughs> You're on your own, baby. You know, I'm leaving. <laughs> but, but to me, it was like, what just, right. you know, it was like, what just happened, Bill? Bill, what's happening here? And I said, you know, he said, no, come on, we got to go. We got to get out of here. I said, well, no, wait. And I, and I wanted, to, so I asked again. I put, we put all this stuff back, and I asked again, and he moved something else. Well, Bill left, so I left too because he was frightened. Mm-hmm. But I knew something was going on. He knew something was going on. He went home. We tried to explain to his mother and father what were happening. My mother-in-law immediately started to pray. Okay. Because she found she really found strength in God in prayer. That's mm-hmm. that's what got her through this. If it wasn't for her faith, she never would have made it through this saying. I imagine. So that's what got her through this. So and it just progressed from there. Um, things started happening in the house we were in. Also, uh, let me ask you something ha- real quick. Did you guys rent out the house again, or what did you guys I, do? Okay, here's what happened. Everything stopped. Oh. Okay. And everything, it was like everything went back to normal. One week went, one week went by, two weeks went by, mm-hmm. and it was like, oh, good. we're just back to normal. Maybe it was just something left over This that this guy right. was here. So we decided, well, let's rent out the house again. So it was all nice and clean. So we rented it out to a gentleman and his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was very nice. He was kind of reserved and a little older and quiet. Okay. And I, my husband said to them, you know, he did. He was honest with them. He said, this might be haunted because he felt he was still leery of the house. Right. So he wanted them to know. And, and they kind of laughed it off. I don't know if they thought we were kidding or what. But right. they, didn't, they didn't care, so they moved in. And she was very friendly. We didn't have, we weren't, you know, we weren't on a friend 
kind of relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, but every time we saw each other, we would say hello. We lived right next door. And every time she came out, she would talk a little bit. She was a nice lady. And then I noticed if she saw me, she just kind of like not want to be seen. Okay. But I was working in the yard when she came to the car one day, and I saw her, and her she had been beaten up. Her She had a black eye, and oh. she looked like she had been beaten up. And I said, my goodness, Michelle, what's going on? And she told me, well, since we moved in this house, Tom, his name was, I think, was Tom. She said, Tom has gotten really mean. Wow. And, I, and I said, well, you can't, you know, you can't go on like this. Yeah. Get away from him. And she said to me, don't worry about it. I can take care of myself. You know, I said, okay, Michelle. I said, but, you know, we're here if you need us. Well, about a week went by, and I didn't see her. Another week went by, still no Michelle. And it was, even though I didn't talk to her some days, I always saw her. Right, right. Yeah, I know so, what you're saying. You, you don't talk, but you see the person, the coming and the going and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I saw Tom getting into his car one day, and I said to him, I haven't seen Michelle in a while. Is she okay? Because I was worried about her. Mm-hmm. And he said, Michelle left. And I said, well, and I, I tried to make more conversation, but it was like he looked at me and turned around and was like, okay, I'm yeah. done talking, and he just mm-hmm. went in the house. Well, about a couple weeks after that, he called up one day and said he was leaving. And he was gone like and he did like the other guy. He was gone like before. It was like I'm going, and it's like he was gone. What span of time were were but they he in there? His... They were in there a couple months. Okay, so this whatever was going on comes on quick, huh? Yeah. So he, we went in again. Went up next doors. He would have had to be cleaned. It was spotless. He had sanitized it. You could smell. Like Lysol, mm-hmm. everything right. was clean, spotless, and the only thing wrong was we had a big brown throw rug, a big brown throw. Rug. It was missing, but who, you know, it was old, so we didn't care. Right. He left the place in good shape and everything, so there was no problems. Um, probably a week went by. Uh, things were going on at the, our house, you know, just regular, just living. Right. So, one day I was out in the yard again. A gentleman pulled into their driveway. Mm-hmm. Went and got out, went to their door and was pounding on the door. And I yelled over, no one lives there now. They left. And he said, oh, Tom's not here anymore. I said, no. He said, well, did you hear what happened to Michelle? And I said, no, I, I, don't, I didn't hear anything. He said, they found her, her wrapped up in a throw rug in the <gasps> garbage dump. And he, and he didn't tell me what city or anything. Oh. And she had been beaten to death. Oh, my God. And I said... I said, I didn't know anything about this. Now, my husband was the type of person who watched every news store, uh-huh. every news on TV, right. read four or five papers a day. I mean, that, he really enjoyed the news. So I, I ran right home because uh-huh. I had to tell them what had happened to Michelle. And he said, are you sure this happened? Because he said, I, I didn't hear anything on the news. I didn't read anything. So this man told me this happened. Whether it happened or not, I don't know. And you know what? I hate to say it. Sometimes if it's a slow news day, it makes it. But sometimes stuff like that, if there's a lot of other interesting news, it doesn't. So you were like, you must have been like, you were thinking, Tom did her in and wrapped her up in our brown throat. That's that's just what I, and I, and I felt guilty because I said, oh my God, was it something that was in the house? Was it, was it just Tom? What was going on? So from that point on, we decided, no, we're not going to rent the house out anymore. Well, about this time, my mother-in-law was getting really antsy. One of the reasons why she, the people, the person that lived next door, that gentleman and my grandmother's, heard to her, 
her mother's house when the gentleman, older gentleman, mm-hmm. his son came to live with him. Okay. And she used to take our little dog up and down the street. There's no sidewalk, but she'd walk on the side there and take a little dog for a walk. Well, he had his son move in with him, which was was fine. He was a quiet boy. He was about 20, quiet, mm-hmm. no problem. And she was walking down the, the street right in front of the house, and she looked over, and he was planting trees in the side yard of, of the grandmother's house, but he was planting them upside down. Okay. He was putting the tree in the hole upside down in the roots to the sky. Okay. And she, she was going to go over she walked over to try to talk and say, like, what are you doing? Uh-huh. She said he stopped what he was doing. He just looked her straight in the face, didn't blink, never said a word, and just stared at her. Oh. <laughs> and she said, at, at that point, she said, I didn't care how he was planting those trees. I'm out of here. Oh, <laughs> she sure. Said she Absolutely. Just didn't care. She yeah. just wanted to get rid Yeah, she just wanted to get rid of him, so she went back to the house. And, and like, two weeks after that, Monty from from uh, that house that was the, the gentleman who was renting it. He died, and so the young man moved out, and the house was empty. So now we're in the middle, and on each side of us were empty houses. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network. Verizon. Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined. Not specific to 5G networks. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by root metrics for the 16th time in a row. Proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one Best Network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. We didn't re-rent them, but we wanted to move. At this time, my mother-in-law wanted to get out of there. Let me interrupt you real quick, Debbie. My mother-in-law... How long... Because it sounds like, what, they had purchased these three houses at the same time? Or... They purchased these houses back in the 40s. Okay. Actually, so my mother-in-law's house and the other house next door, they had them built. Wow. So they were built in the 40s right after the war. Uh-huh. Okay. So th- that's where they came. So, yeah, so, we so we were going to leave. My father-in-law, he, okay. during this whole time, he was very strange. He was very, he wasn't a very nice person to begin with. Okay. But he was, it was like he didn't care. It was like none of this stuff mattered to him. It didn't affect him. What did he care? Right, okay. Even though my mother-in-law was very frightened. My husband was very frightened. But we decided we were going to go together because we were, I was very close to my mother-in-law. I adored my mother-in-law. Okay. Well, she was a wonderful woman. And so we were going to move together to a bigger house, all of us. Right. So we, um, they sold the property. We moved to, we were going to move to a house on the hill right here, still in Rancho, but it's up on the hill, El Tuloma. A, a bigger house, and it was, it was very, very nice. Um, this is now up until this time, even though all this stuff was now we went back to the house. I mean, we, we did check on the houses, both houses and the one that the gentleman with Michelle left. We went in one day and as we opened the front door in the backyard was this really big cement tiger. It was a statue his, his aunt had that she loved mm-hmm. and sitting right in the middle of the hallway 
was a, was a, was a cement tiger. What? Sitting right in the hallway. So in other so words, we, it, it was outside <laughs> in the yard, and it ended up inside the house? Right. It was out in the patio, oh, you know, and it ended up with all the doors locked right in the hallway. So Bill said, it's the end of this. We're not coming here anymore. He <laughs> shut the door. Oh, crap. And I'm getting goosebumps we, right you now. Know, we, we, were, we were moving, so everybody was, you know, in a good mood. Everything was fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, the very last day we moved, because it was so close, we did most moving ourselves over, because we owned both properties at the time, so it was easy to move. Mm-hmm. So we moved over like a, a two, three-week period, just bringing stuff up to the new house. Right. The very last day we were there. Now, up until this time, like I said, there was no feeling of, of malice, of evil. Mm-hmm. There was no, you know, that right feeling that wasn't there. The last day, we in the, in the old house, we went down to my mother-in-law and I. Everything was gone except there were two boxes in her bedroom that we went down to pick up. And we were just going to tour the house to make sure we had gotten everything. So we go in her bedroom and we we're going to pick up the boxes. And all of a sudden, from the kitchen, we hear almost like an explosion. What? So we, we both was run to the kitchen, and whatever was in the house pulled, ripped from the walls, the cupboards, off the walls, and just scared them all over the kitchen. So it was huh. almost like an explosion went off. They were just ripped from the walls. That's incredible. While we're in the kitchen, we hear glass breaking. We go back to the bedroom. All the windows in the bedroom had been blown out. Not blown in like somebody threw something, right. but from the inside, blown out. I remember we, I grabbed, the, I don't know why, but I had enough sense. I grabbed the two boxes, and my mother-in-law, we ran to the car. That's and went right, and that was it. We went back to, and we went to the new house. At the new house, for the first, like, three weeks, everything was wonderful. Okay. It's, it's just as quiet as could be. We thought we're away from it. Mm-hmm. Well, my mother-in-law, when she got up here, it was a big yard, and she thought about. She kept thinking about all her beautiful plants because she was a gardener okay. that she left down at the old at the old property. Oh. So she wanted to go down and and dig up some plants. Uh-huh. Now, my father-in-law didn't want to go with her, so I said, "Well, come on, Ma, I'll take you down." Because we, she, she was she was a little bit fra- afraid, but then she thought it's the middle of the day, it's uh-huh. outside. You know, there's people walking all around, cars going by. Right. We'll be fine. Yeah. So we, we went down. She was on the side of the house. This is in the back, pulling out some cheddar box. She was putting plants in it. I was walking a little bit more towards the, the back of the house. All of a sudden, I look over at my mother-in-law, and I see her. She was bent over. I see her actually lift off the ground like someone had kicked her. What? And she yelped. So I run over to her, and she said, oh, somebody just kicked me. Now, while we're standing there, see, so many things happen, it's just unbelievable. While we're standing there, it starts raining, but it's not raining rain, it's raining pebbles. I what? grabbed her, and there was a little a shed, yeah, a little shed in the back, made, it, had, it had a plastic roof. And I remember we didn't even talk. We just we went into this little shed and stood there, and we could hear the rocks hitting the roof. And it lasted, it seemed like it lasted forever, but it lasted probably 30, 40 seconds. We came out, and I looked, and there were pebbles all over. And I remember I picked one up, and, I, and it was ice cold. Really? And I remember looking at it. It wasn't ice. It wasn't like a piece of ice like right. it had been hail, because mm-hmm. that's what we thought it was at first, first right. hail. But they weren't. They were stones, but they were ice cold. And we just 
I grabbed her arm, pulled her to the car, we got in the car, and that was the last time she ever went down there. It was like, forget the trees. They're staying there. We'll buy new ones. Yeah. Forget the lawn stuff so she didn't yeah. care. So at the, at the new house, we, like I said, for about three weeks, everything was fine. It was just like we were. We thought, oh, it's down there. If it's still there, it's not here. So we're safe. And I, now we had a very strange. My mother-in-law and my husband were petrified what was going on. Right. My father-in-law was indifferent, and I, for some reason, wasn't afraid. Okay. I don't know why. I don't know if I was just, you know, if I just didn't understand what was going on, or I just I had the feeling that I was safe, that nothing was going to hurt me, so I wasn't afraid of it. Okay. So, about like I said, three weeks into the new house, a, one thing happened. A picture. My, the house is big. My, my husband and I uh, had the downstairs a master suite, which is big. It's a big room with a sitting room and its own bathroom. It's a big room. Mm-hmm. My mother and father-in-law went upstairs, which upstairs is nice. It had a, a bed, a bedroom, another uh, bathroom up there. And then it had a big uh, room that was like a game room. It was mm-hmm. all upstairs. And they turned that into like a sitting room for, them, for themselves. Okay. And... So we were kind of far away. Mm-hmm. Um, we got intercom so that we could, that's all, because if right. I was in the one room, I couldn't scream up to her upstairs. Right. So we got intercoms. Now the intercom started acting weird. They'd be crackling, turning themselves on. You could hear, like, voices, but you couldn't make out what they were saying. Oh. A lot of times grandma, grandma thought she heard people talking to her or calling her name. So we finally just put those in a box and put them away. <laughs> then my father-in-law found a picture turned backwards and it's like at that point you know i just knew this this turning things backwards and right. it was like from that point on it was like it was for the next six seven years it was like living in hell and let me ask you was this so did, did your father-in-law around this time start believing in some of this now that he saw this or was he still like uh he, you know what he he believed it. He believed it was happening because there was no way he couldn't believe it because he was mm-hmm. experiencing it. But his attitude was like, you know, it was like, you know, no big deal. It was like, it was a very strange attitude towards all this. But it was like, he wasn't frightened of it. He wasn't, he didn't want to know about it. It was like, more like, if I don't acknowledge it, it won't bother me, that type of attitude. Then, uh, then through the house again, things turned backwards. That's what it loved to turn things backwards. Mm-hmm. All of, it was like everything turned backwards. There we had the in the TV room had a, a fireplace with knickknacks on the mantles and on the side tables, and you could be looking one direction, they'd be normal. You'd look back, and everything would be backwards in in, in seconds. Wow! It would just everything backwards. That's incredible. Well, then the most amazing thing started to happen. I was in my bedroom folding clothes or something my mother-in-law was upstairs and she called down to me out the steps and she called and she sounded like oh something was happening so i ran to see what was going on she said you have to see this so i came upstairs and in her bathroom there was writing on the mirror and i looked at her like well you know what's this why are you writing on the mirror and she said Mm -hmm. i was getting clean towels i had just cleaned the mirror she said i came back in and this writing was on the mirror and I said, you're sure nobody came up and did this while you were up here? She said, I was right here. She said, they couldn't have got past me on the steps. Right. 
So we we called my husband and and father-in-law up, and we looked at it. it said it said, talk to me. Oh. Oh. And it was written in soap on the mirror. That's weird. And well, you know, you can't even though the weird things were happening in the house and all that stuff. This was to another level. So it was like, I remember thinking, okay, one of us must be doing this, you know? Because okay. you, you want to find, through this whole thing, you're always looking to find the rationale course, in it. You want to find something that your mind can, can make, you know, this is rational. Yes. But we, it wasn't one of us writing, and we proved it by erasing the mirror. We cleaned the mirror. We shut the door. We went outside, and we, we talked among ourselves. And I remember my father-in-law said, if anything is taught writing on that mirror, do it again. So we waited like five minutes, went back in, and it, it wrote on the mirror again. So there was no way anybody could get in that right. room. The four of us were together. Uh-huh. So it wasn't one of us doing it, and there was no one that was in physical presence here that was doing it. Wow. And it, it started, my father-in-law, we it talked for a while. It would say, talk to me. Uh, and then my father-in-law said, well, who are you? What's your name? What's your name? And we left. We came back in, and it wrote Prince. His name was oh. Prince. And let me ask you, was there a and target was person? The, was, was it your mother-in-law? Yes, yes. Okay. It turned out, it turned out that <clears throat> this, this entity... He loved to talk. Now, if it didn't write on the mirror, mm-hmm. if it didn't have place to write on the mirror, it would—it it literally destroyed our house. Really? It carved its symbol, that triangle with the tail. Mm-hmm. It carved it in the wall, and it didn't carve like little, little. It would carve like two, three feet in the wall of the triangle with the tail. It cut out the the of uh, the carpet, the triangle with the tail. <laughs> It, it just and all different signals, uh, symbols, all through the house. It, and every day we wake up and it was like, what do we have to patch today? What do we have to paint today? My mother-in-law, my mother-in-law was. I, I, well, her father, her father was in the mafia. Okay. So since she was a little child, mm-hmm. she was taught not to have anything to do with the police. Right. Because I know a lot of people say, well, why didn't you call the police when this was happening? <laughs> But no, and I, I understand. The only thing that my mother-in-law was more, of, yeah. So she, she didn't want anything to do with them. So that's why we didn't call the police. And, and um, but if you think about I it, what are you going to tell the police? The police are going to show up, and you're going to say somebody's, uh, you know, writing on my mirror, or yeah, you know, I'm sure yeah, the police would have looked at you yeah. guys like. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's like, like one of us is not doing it. Right, right, or yeah, problem. somebody's pulling a prank. That's what my mother-in-law would say. Yeah, she yeah. would say. We can't tell anybody about this because they're going to think we're crazy. Right. we got to remember, this was back in the late 80s, and yeah. it wasn't like now where everybody is open to, to go Oh, no, absolutely. I was gonna going to tell on. you that, that people don't realize because, you know, lately all these reality shows where everybody's like, I got to go, so I got to go. So I say, you know, once upon a time, people usually were kind of like, no, let's not talk about that. If they had anything going on, they were like, uh, uh, don't talk about this. They don't realize it wasn't always like yeah, that. Yeah, you kept it yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, that's what the entity wanted. It wanted us to be isolated. I right. mean, if we went out of the house together, we would, like I remember once we visited, this is the things it did. We visited my, a friend of my mother-in-law's. They invited us over for dinner. We, it was very nice. We had a nice time. We came home, and sitting on our kitchen table 
was the gentleman whose home we were just in wallet what now how are we going how are we going to explain to this gentleman why we have his wallet oh, so it wanted to sabotage your relationships and it did it would like if we if we went to a restaurant we'd come home and sitting on the, in the kitchen table would be the name you know how the people that wait on you have the little name tags uh-huh it would it'd have the name tag of the person who waited on us it wanted us to know that it was with us <laughs> wow. it, it, it we'd go to the restaurant and my mother-in-law would look down at her plate and her food would be part way eaten and she didn't touch it so that is to the point incredible where that what so it basically you had no place it was like no peace it sounded like you guys couldn't go anywhere. Right. And it and it wasn't, you have to remember this, it wasn't like, oh, once a week, uh -huh. once, once a day. It was from the time we got up to the time we went to bed. Things were going on. That must have been exhausting. I mean, I, like I said, if, if it wasn't for my mother-in-law having such a great faith in God, she never would have made this because it targeted her. It then turned all its wrath on her. Wow. It made her life a living hell. She couldn't, it would put knives, if she, her chair, she'd like have one chair at the dining room table that she liked to sit and read the paper and have her mm -hmm. meals and everything. It would put knives from the bottom up so if she sat down, she'd sit on a knife. God. It would put knives in her bed so that if she laid down in bed, it would stab her if she didn't check. It got so bad, we had to check everywhere she went before she could even sit down. It just, it took everything, she, she couldn't own anything. Her clothes would, were destroyed. She'd go to put a blouse on, and half the blouse would be ripped, or her arm would be missing. What? It would take, it loved to, it loved to do things like, she in her shoes, it would take all her shoes, but two shoes, and they weren't the same kind of shoe. So if she wanted to put shoes on, she had to wear two different shoes. Oh, my. That's it. That's... I mean, it was, it just tormented my poor mother-in-law. And then it got, this is what happened. One time she was, we got to the point, if she was with me for some reason, the entity wouldn't touch her. She okay. was safe. She okay. Like if she wanted, had money or even a wallet, it used to cut up her credit cards and then put them in front of her so she could see that they were all cut up. Okay. So she used to have to give me her things, and if I had them, the entity wouldn't touch them. Okay. So I became like her, her protector. I was going to say, yeah. But that was okay yeah. because I loved her. So this one night we were sitting watching television. She got up to go in the pantry. It was like a, a, a TV room with the kitchen, and then off the kitchen there was like a little pant, a laundry room, and off the mm -hmm. laundry room was a pantry. And so she got up, because <clears throat> she usually stayed right, we're all together. She got up and went into the pantry, and while she was in there, evidently it grabbed her by the, turned the light off, locked the door, and grabbed her by the throat. Ooh. She screamed. We went to go, went to get her. The door, we got it found. We found her just getting up off the floor. The light was off. We turned the and you could even see her bruises on her neck. So now at this time, they had been upstairs away from us, but it had gotten so dangerous. One of the things Mr. Entity did, he took, uh, not, he loved knives, and he, he, whatever he did, he slashed up their mattress so they didn't have a mattress upstairs to sleep. It got so dangerous upstairs that they moved downstairs into the master bedroom. So we were all sleeping together in the master bedroom. Um, I went in, and when, once we stopped going upstairs, it kind of took over the upstairs. Oh, you're kidding. You and could it, go up, start going up the steps. Nobody, <clears throat> nobody, nobody even went upstairs anymore. It was right. like it, it, it took over the upstairs of the house. 
if you went up, if you started to go up the steps, you got this feeling halfway up the steps of this heaviness, this darkness around you. So nobody went upstairs anymore. It was like it belonged to the upstairs. But it couldn't write, on the, nobody would read its messages on the mirror upstairs. So oh. it started to write its messages downstairs on the mirror so that we had to see them. So it would talk to us. Uh, well, it talked to me because everybody else was frightened, but I would talk to it. Because if I talked to it on the mirror, right. like if I went in, here's what would happen. I would go in. It would have a message on the mirror. I would respond to it, clean it. And I had to keep the mirror clean because, if I, like I said, if you didn't keep the mirrors clean, it would destroy more of the house. So it's almost like it used up its energy talking, mm -hmm. so I would try to make it talk a lot, which it liked to do. Um, so I would communicate with it in the bathroom through the mirror. I got very upset that it hurt my mother-in-law. That was the first time it actually put hands on her. You know, other okay, than that, yeah. it set booby trap, but it never really touched her. Mm -hmm. So I went in to the bathroom and I said, listen, this is how it's going to be. I don't. I don't know. You can ask me now. I can say I did. I don't know how I got the nerve to do it. Talking You're probably like this, but really I said, upset and this very is mad. the way it's going to be. I said I'm going to give you respect, and you're going to give me respect, and I will stand for nothing else. I said you're not to touch my child because we. I had had a baby during this time, but right before we moved, I said you're not to touch my child. You're not to touch my husband, and you're not to touch Lee. <laughs> I should have put my father-in-law in there, but okay. I figured he could take care of himself. Right, right, okay. yeah. And I said, and that's the way it's going to be. And he, and I left, and I came back in the bathroom, and he wrote, I will not touch the child, I will not touch your husband, but Lee belongs to me. What? Mm -hmm. So I said, why does Lee belong to you? So for the next hour or so, with the matter of going in, wait, racing the mirror, coming out, racing mm -hmm. the mirror, he told me a long story. Whether it's true or not, I don't know. This okay. is just what he told me. Right. He said that he knew Lee, and actually he knew my father-in-law from a past life, and that he was in a monastery, and he had, like, influence over monks. And Lee was going to be sacrificed to him. And for some reason, the sacrifice didn't come to fruition. It wasn't carried out. It was stopped right before it was supposed to happen. But he said that didn't matter. Lee had been promised, and now he had come together. Okay, so in other words, he's so saying that, that your that, your father-in-law in the past life was a monk, belonged to a monastery that sounds like they were doing uh, occult rituals, you know, under the cover right. of a monastery. Right, right. Okay. Matter of fact, he even gave me the name of the monastery, the Sacred Heart. He hmm. told me the whole story. And I don't mean he spoke to me, but he wrote it. Right. So it, it was like, you know, whether it's true, I don't know. Yeah, but you must have been like... He belonged to him, and he was coming together. It was like, it's like, it was like living in the twilight zone during yeah. this time. And you were and like, okay, like, what in the world? How do I get out? You know, I, at this point, it must have been like, okay, so what was, you know, what is he planning to do? What, if she's mine, that sounds very, like, final kind of... Yeah, right, it was. But one thing I noticed, like, he could do, like, that thing just choking her, but he could have choked her to death, but he didn't, or right. broke her neck, but he didn't. So right. there must be rules of what they can do. He could try to drive her insane, sure. commit suicide, mm -hmm. or he, but what he had, he had something else planned for her. Uh, now, this, it got so bad that we, did, we started to look for help 
Finally, okay. my mother-in-law, when she heard this story, she said, okay, we'll try to look for help. First thing we did, we went to a psychologist. Okay. Because I remember reading about it, the Catholic Church said, you need, you know, some type of verification that you're not crazy or you're not doing it yourself. Right. So we went to a psychologist, the whole family. Okay. Uh, the psychologist said there was nothing he could do for us. He had never heard of anything like this before. He suggested that we get in touch with a university that studied the paranormal or mm-hmm. get in touch with a church or okay. somebody that, you know, in this field that could help us. Right. So my mother-in-law decided she would try the church. Now, at this time, she wasn't a member of any church. Her, since her mother had died, she had stopped going to church because she used to go with her mother-in-law. But we had the church uh, right up here by us, and we had one down in Guasti. And for some reason, she chose the one down in Guasti. Mm-hmm. She went down. And she didn't tell them what was happening. She wanted to get the priest up to the house first. Okay. So she went down and asked for a house blessing. Okay. So the she was so happy because the man was coming to bless the house. She thought, if the church is involved and they come bless the house, we'll be safe. Okay. So the gentleman comes. He knocks on the door. We have a foyer mm-hmm. when you first come in the, the, the house. Uh he never left the foyer. He came in. He stood there. He looked around. My mother-in-law and I were with him, mm-hmm. and she said, thank you so much for coming. And he, and he just kind of got quiet, and he started, he took holy water out, and he made the sign of the cross, and he said, all right, your house is blessed now. I have to go. That was it? And she said, well, wait, that." yeah, she said, don't you have to go to each room and do that? He said, no, this is, this is good. Your house is blessed now. Well... Then she started getting panicky because he wanted to leave. So she started to tell him what was happening. Oh. This man wasn't even listening to her. His, okay. his eyes were just kind of going round, and he looked at me, and he said, you know, when women get this age, they get a little crazy. See? Yeah, but that's why I'm just blessing and your house with the foyer. <laughs> yeah. And he, and he was gone in his car before you could even see where he went. I mean, that's how fast he ran. And never heard from him again. Well, that just... My mother-in-law was just devastated because she couldn't believe that this was all the help she was going to get. So then from that on, we started looking everywhere. We went to to psychic fairs. We went to paranormal bookstores. Like, mm-hmm. like, cause like I said, where do you go back then? Where yes. do you go for help? Yes. There's. It's not like you can no. go online like now. So, I mean, we were – so it, then for the next – Years, it was just a matter of going from person to person. We went, to, we had uh, the university, I think it was UCLA or USC, Thelma Moss's group that studied this. We had Carrie Gaynor come. We had um, pre, uh, other religions come to the house, couldn't okay. help. They would all come, and it was like once they got here, they felt helpless. And Mr. Entity, I mean, he was, he was amazing was actually an amazing being. I mean, evil, but he was an amazing being. He, my mother-in-law uh, was Italian, but her, her heritage was uh, uh, Albanian mm-hmm. in Italy, they were in Sicily. Right. And they spoke a language, a dialect called Tobresh, which okay. is a very, very old dialect. Uh-huh. I don't even know if it's spoken anymore. Okay. But they would speak it, and my husband spoke it, and she spoke it. So at this time, what he would talk about, he would be like, comment on anything we had done during the day or conversations we had had. I remember one, one thing he wrote on the mirror when the, the, the priest was doing the holy water, and uh, 
my mother was going to go get some more holy water, and he told her, go get it. It's just God's piss. Oh, my. So, I so mean, let me ask you something. Oh, like you said, you had different so religions, never... they, and they all kind of did like the uh, priest in the foyer kind of deal, like, oh, this is beyond me, beyond my pay grade. Eh, somewhere out yeah, of Yeah, it was like, yeah. And then and we had real we had real you know qualified investors uh-huh, come right right and they would like we had, yeah we had like Chris Chacon come from uh, some paranormal group a big paranormal group mm-hmm. we had we even had Ed and Lorraine Warren yeah wow. come to the house okay <laughs> but let me finish about the Tobrush story okay like I said so that was a a very old language mm-hmm. so he would comment on everything we said so my mother in law started talking things she didn't want the entity to hear to my husband in Tobresh. So she thought, well, he can't understand. He would start answering my mother-in-law on the mirror in Tobresh, writing Tobresh <laughs> on the mirror. Oh, wow. So he, would, he, would, he spoke Italian. He spoke, uh, what else, a Latin. He spoke uh, Tobresh. He, he spoke uh, Spanish. Let me ask you something, Debbie. Did you guys, when that first time that he gave you that story about, you know, monastery and that that, Uh uh, your father-in-law was up, did you ever ask your father-in-law, did you ever mention that story to him or did he react at all to that story? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. He said he didn't know. He didn't know. It was like, okay. See, my father-in-law was was strange. He was very self-centered. Okay. This entity. See, although it was causing him problems, the one thing my father hated more than anything was it was costing him money. Okay, yeah. But it was costing him time, too. But since it wasn't centered on him, mm-hmm. it was just, you know, hurting my mother-in-law, he, like, disassociated himself from it. Right. It was like he could sit back and watch and not really be involved. Okay. Which, to me, I just couldn't understand that. But, so, Mr., like I said, Mr. Entity was amazing. One time... We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. We, we had different cars. He would destroy my father-in-law's car because they would have to go somewhere. My mother-in-law would have to go with him. So he would constantly hurt, destroy their car so they couldn't use it. I remember one time my, we had two different doctor appointments, so we had to take different cars. And I went out to him and said, Mr. Entity, when I came to the mirror, I said, Mr. Entity, please don't do anything to my mother-in-law's car because they have to go to the doctor. And I couldn't be with her because I had to go with my husband to the doctor. Right. So he went on the mirror. All right, for you, I won't do anything today. Today They can use the car, but tomorrow I'm going to break the big window. So that day, he didn't do anything to the truck. The next day, he broke the, the windshield. I mean, things like that. One time, he took the, the truck and put it out in the middle of the road. Oh my God. We woke up in the morning, and 
the truck was in the middle of the road. It hadn't been started. It was all locked up. And it, well, I mean, that's... It had the ability to abort things. Yes. I mean... Well, this is beyond abhorting. This is... This is it incredible. brought so many knives, no, so many knives into our house. They weren't our knives. He would do <sighs> patterns on the floor with knives. And we got, we got a big box. We just, we'd pick up the knives and throw them in the big box till the box got full and then we just throw it away. I mean, I mean, and of all these people that came through the house that you contacted, was there anybody or either a person or, or a group who kind of like zoomed in and gave you a description or something that corresponded with what it had communicated to you? The, the, well, the, there's two good things, I mean, interesting things. The first one were the Warrens. Okay. The Warrens came, Ed and Lorraine Warren. This was interesting. Okay. Uh, they came, they were very nice to us. I hear a lot of negative things about mm -hmm. the Warrens. And the place, but all I can say about the Warrens is they were very nice to us, and they tried to help. They couldn't help, but they tried, and so I thanked them for that. Okay. They were nice to us. Okay, so they came. Um, the, the night that they came, they came in the late afternoon. Uh, in our hallway, by the, there was a kitchen, then like a little dining area, then the family room. There was a little hall there. And we had a big box that was full of Jamie's toys, my son. He was just a year old, two years old. So mm -hmm. he was, with, as Ed and Lorraine walked down the, the hall, Ed went by, and then Lorraine came, and the, the whole chest, it was a heavy chest, slid out right in front of her. Wow. You, very rarely did you see anything happen. Okay. Everything would always happen when you turned your back or you went in the other room. Right. But this is one of the times... That actually happened right in front of us. We saw it. And uh, I remember they came in. We sat down at the kitchen table. We all discussed what was going on. Then uh, Lorraine said, uh, I'm going to go walk, walk the house. And she left by herself. And she said, I'm going to, you know, so she went through the whole house. She went upstairs. She came back down. She came in and she said, Ed, I have to tell you, this is one of the most powerful ancient entities I have ever come in contact with. And my my and she and my mother in law said what and she said yes it's a demon it's a demon Ed and my mother in law's face just because all these things were happened but nobody ever looked at my mother in law and said you have a demon after you right when she said that my mother in law's face just almost she just almost collapsed wow she was so oh it was and so they came uh, they were here like three days they were um, the second day they were here Ed said. We're going to do a rite of provocation. I had no idea what that was, but okay. um, at this time we had a paranormal investigator living with us. Wow. Uh, so he was here with us at the time. Um, we went into the, my mother-in-law wanted nothing to do with it, and that was okay because they said she was just, she was so frightened. So she stayed in the, the TV room with my son, mm -hmm. the little baby. She sat there with him, take care of him. In the living room. There was Ed and Lorraine Warren on one side, sitting in chairs. Then between them, there was a, a couch. I sat on the couch with my father-in-law. And then, like, think of this as a U-shape. Right. On the other side was my husband and um, the paranormal investigator. Then they brought a gentleman with them uh, named uh, Kevin Sullivan, I think his name was. He videotaped everything. Okay. The first day they were here, he videotaped. The, he, they interviewed each one of us. The second day, they did the rite of provocation. This was in the evening. Mm -hmm. uh, this was, I, I, I can, I'm sitting here picturing this because I remember it so, so well. They started doing the rite of provocation. 
and I noticed my father-in-law was a little antsy. Uh, okay. All of a sudden, my father-in-law stands up, and I don't want to say that he he changed, but his mannerism changed. It's not like he metamorphosized into something else. He mm-hmm. didn't, but he changed physically in the sense that he his carriage changed. He drew his left arm up to his chest like it was a stroke victim. Okay. And his head went down, and his, his back kind of curved, and he got up off the couch, and nobody was saying a word at this time. Ed had stopped the right of provocation when this happened. Right. And he he had one leg, one of his legs, he, he wasn't using it, he would drag it as he walked. And he walked over to Ed Warren, and he looked at him. And Ed, Ed Warren had, uh, he said it was a little uh, piece of the cross. Okay. And he, it was a... Um, yeah, and he, and he took it up and put it in front of my father-in-law, and he said, you can't harm me. This, this, this protects me. And I remember my father-in-law looked at him in a voice that wasn't my father-in-law's. He said, I'm going to bite your arm off and that piece of wood, chew it up, and spit it in your face. Oh, my. And then everything got really, really quiet. Ed just kind of looked at him. Then my father-in-law turned around, and he faced my husband and the, the paranormal investigator. The paranormal investigator got so frightened. Now, this is a paranormal investigator. Yeah. Got so frightened, he jumped in my husband's lap. <laughs> so, I'm sorry, I, I'm laughing, I, but you know I what? Know. That's like a coming to Jesus moment That's right the there. I there and I, I, I look over, and then there's the guy sitting in my husband's lap. Now, my husband's probably more frightened than he is, but he's <laughs> going to my husband for, for, for security. My, the, my father-in-law turned around, walked, dragging his leg back to the couch, didn't say another word, sat down on the couch, and slowly relaxed and went back into my father-in-law. Let me ask you, when you say he curved his back, backwards or like hunched over? Like hunched over, like a hunchback. Like a hunchback and dragging a foot. Wow. Right. And I, my father-in-law didn't know what had happened or anything, and I remember... Ed said, well, it's late tonight. We'll talk about this tomorrow. <laughs> and I need to change my shorts. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so they went. And now we have to remember, we're all, we're all sleeping in the same bedroom. I bet. Later that night, we, my husband and I had gotten to the habit, especially my husband. He could not sleep till the sun came up. He was so frightened of what was going on. And, you know, that, that stayed with him his entire life. Oh. He couldn't sleep when it was dark because he had to be on guard. Even when the entity left, it, he always was like that. Yeah, yeah. That's called, it's like it a PTSD so kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But in the middle of the night, so we're over there because we, the bedroom was, like I said, we, they were in the one part of the bedroom. We were in the sitting room. We had our bed. Uh, my father-in-law gets up out of the bed, and we look over at him. <laughs> and instead of my father-in-law, when he stands up, he turns into the same thing he was earlier. He bends over, his arm's drawn up, he's dragging his leg, and he goes into the bathroom. Oh, and who's now, seeing this, you and your husband, husband or just... Me. Oh, you're a poor husband. Yeah, it was, my mother-in-law was sleeping. Okay. And my husband turns to me and he said, I think you better call Ed. <laughs> I said, yes. well, how am I going to call him tonight? What are they going to do? But he came back out, same way, got into bed and went to sleep. Holy crap. Oh my God! That that my husband was so he couldn't shut his eyes after that. I can tell you that. It's like Dad. I'm sorry, but you're gonna have to sleep out in the living room. <laughs> <laughs> please, please. Yeah. Well, that, and I mean that was with the Warrens, and but the one person who I really thought could help us was a lady called Doctor Evelyn Paglini. 
Yes, I've heard of her. And uh, I, you can read about her online, Dr. Pagliani. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never knew about her. Somebody must have told I can't. You know, all this happened so long ago. Well, let me ask you something real quick. Memories, Here they come memories, in. Wait, wait, Debbie, because, yeah, my, you know, the Warrens are so famous. So what do they do? They come in three days and kind of say, uh, sorry, this is uh, beyond our pace. What? They just said, we can't help you. That was it. Okay, here's. Here's, here's what they did. Uh, the, the next day they got in touch with us. They said they had a friend who was the head of a, a, a paranormal uh, organization in L.A. Okay. They got a hold of him, and they arranged for a church. It, was a, uh, it wasn't a Catholic church. Okay. It was an Episcopalian church. Okay. They arranged for us to go Yeah, the priest there. Okay. That, the next night, all of us, including the paranormal investigator, went to this church to talk to the priest because... He was open to coming to the house to do an exorcism. Okay. So we got we got there. We told him all our story. Very nice man. First thing he asked was, was Jamie baptized? Now, with everything going on, we hadn't had time to get Jamie baptized. Okay. So we said, no, he's not baptized. So that night, actually, the, Lorraine Warren became my, my son's godmother. Okay. She was his godmother. Okay. So... They made arrange. We made arrangements for that Sunday, which was this was like Friday night. Mm-hmm. That Sunday, for the priest to come to the house and perform an exorcism. Okay. Well, first you have to understand, my mother-in-law was dominated by my father-in-law. Okay. No matter what he said or what he did, no matter how wrong he was, in her eyes, because of her Italian upbringing, mm-hmm. he was the master of the house. What he said went. Okay. Um, he started started on her that night when we got home. You know you can't have this man come to an exorcism because he's not a Catholic. If you have him come to an exorcism, you're going to be excommunicated from the church. So he harped at her and harped at her. No matter what Bill and I said, he talked her out of letting the gentleman come. The gentleman came all the way from L.A., and my father-in-law wouldn't let me go to the door and even explain the situation to him, the why we weren't having this exorcism. He said, no, you can't open the door, just leave him alone. So in other so words, he went from, from not caring because it, he wasn't being affected to all of a sudden prohibiting somebody from doing an exorcism. Uh-huh. Right, for somebody from coming in and doing the exorcism. Right. So, that, so, that, so the Warren said, we're sorry, you know, that's our only contact out here. We're not from around here. It's not right. like we have our people out here that we can sure, help you more sure. we're sorry but they tried and they were right. very nice people okay that makes sense so that I makes think, sense yeah uh the next one of the next during this time period you have to understand we had all kinds of people come we had people that if you met you wouldn't want to be around them but you were so desperate mm-hmm. you would invite them into your house to try to help right help you and we had one gentleman came came Nice enough, gentlemen. He he said he was a wizard or something. He came into the house, went upstairs. I he wanted me to go with him. I went with him. He brought eggs with him. Okay. And he put eggs all over upstairs. Okay. Then he started doing some kind of ritual. Well, the eggs started flying through the air and pelting him till he was covered with eggs. <laughs> he he let he said. See, I don't even remember him saying anything. All I remember him is running down the the the, the stairs, and out out of the house and then like, we never heard from him again right, some of the some of the people came they a, a lot of them i got the feeling a lot of them would have to be paid and i got the feeling that a lot of them came thinking nothing was really here it was in our minds or whatever it was mm-hmm. and when they got here and mr entity showed himself but not physically but showed what he could do right they got really frightened yeah it was so, like yeah I mean, right right they wouldn't think at oh my god yeah 
oh, this is gonna be this is gonna be great. This is gonna be so interesting. And then all of a sudden, reality hit him like a two by four between the. Uh, uh, okay. All right. Yeah. So we had all kinds of people come from all over. We even were talking to people down in in uh, South America to come and help us. We had a, a voodoo lady from. Uh, uh, Louisiana come up and try to get rid of it. Okay. When when she was here after she said he left, she was she came. She did a ritual at the table. She blew. I remember cigar smoke and liquor, a brandy or something. She spit it all over, and she said to us, "Now it's gone." And all of a sudden we heard boom in the other room. <laughs> Went in, and Mr. Entity had this was a small bedroom, and it was a a bed with was one of one of those bed high poster bed, mm-hmm. and he literally. Turn the bed upside down in a room where it couldn't turn upside down. So is that the moment and the she bed left? Was upside down, and what? she said, "But no, no." When she was here, no, no. But what I'm saying is that the point that she said, "I'm leaving." <laughs> she must have been yeah, like, "No." She she said to us, she, "She said now, don't be upset. This is just residue." <laughs> really? And we said residue can turn a bed over, and and, that, and then they left, and Mr. Entity was still here. He would give us comment. Terry, on everybody that came to the house, but the only ones he never said anything about were the Warrens. Mm-hmm. He would insult everybody that came, like when Chris Chacon came, the investigator, right. he brought a meter with him okay. to go around the house, and <clears throat> he wrote on the mirror after he left, he said, that man has no juice. He said, he could, that machine didn't detect me. So, so we would get commentary. Everybody that came to the house, he'd either tell us about their sex lives oh. or their, I mean, everything, all personal things about the people that came. So, I mean, he, it was an amazing being. It's too bad it was so evil. Right. Because it, it and it knew so much. Um, then, like I said, Dr. Paglini came. Okay. Now, Dr. Paglini, she came, man, this woman came in with such confidence she just came through that door. She was like a knight on a on a steed, gonna okay. go to battle. I mean, I looked at this woman and I said, "Wow, this lady's gonna help us." Okay. And she she told us all about her past. She she didn't mention the the Church of Satan, which she had helped founded, which I didn't know okay. at the time. But she had changed since then. She started practicing a different type of magic. Okay. Uh, but she, I got the feeling that she was a very powerful woman. Okay. Um, she went through the house and then she said. She called the next day. She called on the phone. She said, "I want you to start writing these things on the mirror." Okay. So, I think my father-in-law did most of the writing. He wrote on the mirror, uh, "Dr. Paglini welcomes you to talk to you or something." And then at the bottom, she had him write, "God protects us." Okay. And we went in and looked after it. my father-in-law wrote it, and Mr. Entity had crossed off God and put Prince. Prince protects us. Oh. And he actually hated Dr. Paglini. I bet. Absolutely hated Dr. Paglini. Called her all, called her all kinds of names. And, and all I can think of is people that he, he'd make fun of or everything, but he never got mad at them. Do you know? Mm-hmm. They would come and he would just say funny things about them because he had a very funny sense of humor. Okay. He would say funny things about the people that came. He never said a word about the, war, uh, the Warrens. Not a word. Okay. And then, but I think that Dr. Paglini in some way must have been a threat to him. Right, And yeah. he felt that he had insulted insult her to, to make himself feel. So she was probably the, our best bet at getting rid of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, she, she did this for like a week, all these things, and then she said to me, she called my phone, she said, you know, I can't get rid of this at your house because someone there is giving him permission to stay. Oh. 
And I said, I don't, I don't know who it could be. Yet, in the back of my mind, I well, could think about my father-in-law. Right. my father-in-law wasn't a happy man. Mm-hmm. He just wasn't. Let me ask you, did you ever do that, that, that hunched over thing again? Said, did you ever see him transform like that again? I didn't hear you. Did you ever, after that time that you woke no, up? No, that was the last time. Was... Okay. After that time, when he went to the bathroom, I, no, I never saw that again. Okay. That was That never happened again. But but it was still like you knew it was there. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, she said uh, tonight I'm going to do something. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow you call me up and let me know what happens, and I will tell you who's keeping the entity there. I said okay. Well, that night as usual, they went to bed. My husband and I were up, and about three o'clock in the morning, all of a sudden my father-in-law jumps up, and he starts. He was sh- literally shaking, shaking, and gagging. Really? And I mean, we thought we were going to have to call an ambulance. And it lasted like five minutes. And then just as soon as it, like, just as soon as it came, it's just like, it stopped. And he laid down and went to sleep like nothing had happened. The next morning she called. I said, this is what happened. She said, your father-in-law is the one that's giving it permission to stay there. She said, he didn't bring it there. He, she said, but he's giving it permission to stay there. Okay. And... I found out later from Mr. Entity himself, um, I was the only one that went into the, the bathroom, it was the guest bathroom in the hall, to talk to Mr. Entity, okay. because my, mother and, my mother-in-law and my husband were way too frightened to talk oh, yeah. to him. My father-in-law thought he didn't want to talk to it. Well, one time I came out of the, ho- the bedroom kind of quiet, and I saw him go into the bathroom. Okay. And when I went into the bathroom after him, I noticed he had cleaned the mirrors. So hmm. he had never done that before. So I asked Mr. Entity what was going on, and Mr. Entity told me, he said, he wants me to stay here. He said, he wants me to hurt your mother-in-law. What? He said that he, he wants me to kill her. Yeah. And he wrote, I remember, he wrote on the mirror the next time. He said, he comes in here and talks to me, and then he erases the mirror so you can't see what's going on. So he was having his so own dialogue going on. Had, okay. Right. He wanted, see, my mother and father-in-law were wealthy. They weren't rich, right. but they were wealthy. He wanted to get away from my mother-in-law. He wanted to be free. Okay. And he thought the only way, how nice it would be if she was dead, he would just, you know, be free. Yeah, so he's trying to hire so, the, the demon you know, hitman? I'm worried. Why yeah, can, can you believe, what, what kind of, you know, a family has a demon. Instead of banding together, right. one of the members is trying to get the demon to kill his wife. Un- unbelievable. Okay. I'm just. I'm, I remember. I thought, "Oh my God! Now, I, now am I protecting her from the demon? Now I have to worry about her husband." Okay, so uh, was, you were like, just, at this point, a, you yeah. were like, "Okay, so what do I do now? It's my father-in-law. What am I gonna do?" It's like, and you know, I tried explaining to my mother-in-law what was going on. You know, she. I said, you know, she said he's keeping here, and my father-in-law was, "I'm not keeping it here. How can how can you believe this woman and not believe your own husband?" So, you know, she was kind of, but he got freakier and freakier as time went on. So she got more and more frightened of him until mm-hmm. finally he got to the point where she did, she threw him out of the bedroom. So he wasn't sleeping in the bedroom anymore. Okay. And then finally, yeah, it was, it, you know, if you've read the book, you know, it's such a complicated story with all the, everything right, that right, happened. Right, right, right. It's just. But still, that's that's a very. But, 
But like I said, Dr. Pagolini, she said, I can't get rid of it because <clears throat> as long as someone gives it permission to stay in your house, nobody can get rid of it. So when my mother-in-law started saying, well, to my father-in-law, if you keep it here, then you have to leave. But it was, you know, you know how it finally left? How? This is, my father-in-law finally left the house. She made him leave. And Mr. Entity, he stayed. It's not like my father-in-law mm-hmm. took Mr. Entity with him or it, Mr. Entity stayed when my father-in-law left. But Mr. Entity became a little different. Um, not so much stuff was going on to my, he would constantly say to my mother-in-law things like, I'm going to, Lee will die. I leave blankly this. But he did, most of the things he started doing now was communicating. Okay. As long as I kept him communicating, he he kind of backed off at some of the terrible things he would do. And well, it got to the point where he would he would tell me things about the past, the present, the future. He would tell me all, all kinds of, we would talk for long periods of time. It would keep everything calm in the house. So I felt like I was protecting my mother-in-law by doing this. Right. And also, the truth of the matter is, it was absolutely fascinating. Yeah, no, I can... It, because I, was, I would say to my husband, I, can, I would say to my husband, Bill, can you grasp this, that we go into the bathroom and we're talking to an entity that we can't see, that's in a different dimension, that's communicating me, telling me things are going to happen in the, in the past or things that happened in the future? I said, can you understand? I mean, I wanted to just grab people and bring them in the house and say, look what's happening here. But we couldn't tell a soul. We had to just keep quiet. So finally it got to the point where, like I said, Mr. Mr. Andrew told me all different kinds of things about different dimensions, but he wouldn't call them dimensions. He called them levels. Okay. He would. He, he said there were levels. So he called me all kinds of things. Well, uh, we then had twins, uh, Jeffrey and Jeff, Jessica. Okay. We had twins, so we had three little babies at the time. Okay. And I remember saying to Mr. Entity, why are you here now, Mr. Entity? Nobody, nobody here want, is giving you permission to stay. Uh, you're not getting, because my father-in-law was so full of hate. I said, you were being fed all kinds of hate. Now mm-hmm. all you're getting fed is love, because we love each other, and we're going to protect each other. I said, I think it's time for you to leave. And Gary said, the the paranormal investigator who came back again, this is the third time to investigate, mm-hmm. he said, I'll take it with me. He said, because my life is so rotten, this thing is so powerful, if I take it with me, it can change my life. I Are said, you Gary, serious he said that? Ask for. Are you serious? Yes, he did. He He's... said, I'm, he went into the bathroom and he said to it, I'm giving you permission to come with me. And what? I said, Gary, that's you're going to be sorry. I was going to say that. Because the entity hated Gary to begin with. So I went in and said, okay, Gary's giving you a place to go. You have to leave now. And he said, I'm not. And you think about this. This is a demon. This is what he said. I will not work with an inferior being. Huh. Oh. And I think, I remember thinking at the time, this is a demon and this is, it says things like this. It was so. I, you know, even now when I try to understand what it was, was it a demon? What right. was it? Was it? Right. I don't know what it was, really. <clears throat> exactly. And it just, and then he said, and I said, well, why won't you work with Gary? He said, he has no integrity. He has <laughs> no uh, uh, honor. It's like, I'm I have standards. And I'm thinking about, here's a thing. Oh, I forgot to tell you the most, the most amazing thing that happened. The spear. What happened? Uh, during this time when my father-in-law was still living here. 
after Dr. Baglini was, I think it was right before Dr. Baglini, my father-in-law woke up in the in the morning, early hours in the morning, and he yelped because and he jumped out of bed and we said, well, what's the matter? And he reached under the blanket and he pulled out. It was like 16 inches long. <coughs> Excuse me, a, a spearhead. It was. It was not. It wasn't very ornate, but it was very dangerous looking. Oh, okay. And I remember looking at it, and, I, and he had it, and I said, "Give that to me, because I, I'm going to have my father-in-law have something like that laying next to my mother-in-law." Yeah, right. Like, uh-huh. So he handed it to me. I said, "I said this is now mine because I knew anything that I had, Mr. Entity wouldn't touch." Okay. I said, "This now belongs to me," and I and I went into the to the bathroom and I said to Mr. Entity. Now I noticed when I went into the bathroom, both mirrors were full of writing. And the one mirror had like instructions okay. how to do something. And I said, Mr. Entity, what is this? And he said, and where, I said, where did it come from? He said, it came from the Congo. He said, I want you to use, I want uh, Andre, because that's what he called my father-in-law, Andre. He said that was his other name in the past life. I want Andre to perform a blood ritual huh. on Lee. Yeah, he said uh, he needs to do that. And I said, Mr. Entity, this was like 4 o'clock in the morning. I said, Mr. Entity, you're never going to use this for a blood ritual. He got so mad, he blew out every window in the top floor of the house. Wow. But uh, I remember the next day we took the the spear to the museum in in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. They told us it was from the Belgian Congo area, like he said. Okay. It was over 200 years old. He, they, they said the way it was sharp, and they could tell it wasn't used for, for hunting. It wasn't used for warfare. He said chances are it was used for, for, uh, by a shaman yeah, or a medicine so In other words, man. it was a ritual object. Right. <laughs> he, said, he said, where did you get this? He said, it looks like it's brand new. He said, wherever it's been, it's been taken care of. He said, it's like just made. And I said, if I told you where I got it, you wouldn't believe me. So I've had that spear since 1989, I think it was. And I know if I have it, he can't use it on anyone or can't perform any blood rituals. So I know about so this is spear this, being with me, it's safe. This is, so you're thinking, I, I mean, I, think, I don't know how you were able to sleep with your father-in-law in the room after what you saw and with this thing with the spear. I would have been able, like, how can you sleep with one eye open? Well, he after that few days after that he she kicked him out and put him into to another bed. The air we breathe, the water we drink, the soil that grows food for our families. These basic elements are essential to healthy, happy lives. America's corn growers think so too. Across the country, they're pitching in every day and doing the work to produce food and fuel that is healthy in a sustainable way. Go to ncga.com to learn more about how corn farmers grow a more sustainable future for us all. That's ncga.com. With MailChimp, you get a whole lot more than a URL. You get an all-in-one marketing platform to help drive sales. That means you can connect your data to make more informed, smarter decisions. And you get powerful automation tools like our customer journey builder to ensure you never miss an opportunity to turn shoppers into loyal customers. So if you're ready to integrate your marketing and boost sales, get started today at MailChimp.com slash smart marketing. MailChimp, built for growing businesses. So it wasn't for long that we had to live like that, but... but, uh... It was it was a time, and I I've only touched a little bit of the things that happened, 
because it would take hours to tell you everything. And, and Debbie, so here, but, after Gary, <laughs> Gary, okay, gives him an open invite, which he's like, who's? Right. And then I said, well, you have to go. And he said, please, I want to stay here. I said, you can't stay here. You have to go. You just have to go. Not that at that time he was doing anything bad. You, you know what I mean? He wasn't right. really causing problems. He was just communicating. Right. But I couldn't have my family live like that. Oh, no, no. I had little kids. I couldn't have them living with something like that in the yes. house. I couldn't have I just couldn't have it. So I said, no, you have to go. And the last thing he wrote on the mirror the day Gary was leaving, Mr. Entity wrote on the mirror, goodbye, my family. Oh. And we've never heard from him since. And what, ha you know, I have to ask, what happened with Gary? Now, Gary, uh, I, wouldn't, I don't want to tell you his last name because okay, there's problems fine. with Gary. The entity did go with him because Gary said um, when he moved into a new apartment, Mr. Entity put the triangle with the tail over his door. Oh. But he said, when I asked him, tried to talk more about him, he said, after that, he left. Which I almost believe because he hated Gary. Okay. And he didn't want to stay with Gary, so I don't think he stayed with Gary. But Gary kind of changed. Gary became more into drinking. He changed. He got more into the psychic, became a psychic. Okay. All kinds of things. If if you want to find out about you can I can talk to you privately and tell you some things. Okay. So in other words, he went from just kind of dark guy it's, and to darker. Like, yeah. He didn't sound like a happy man to begin right. with, though. And, yeah. So, no, he wasn't. But you know what? The thing was, I we, my mother-in-law and my Bill and I liked him here. I liked him here because he was a witness to everything that happened. Mm -hmm. So people didn't think it was just us. We were crazy. My right. husband liked him here because it was another person for strength. My mother-in-law liked him here because Mr. Entity hated Gary so much. Half the time, instead of tormenting my mother-in-law, he was tormenting Gary. Wow. So it was like a win-off for all of us. Yeah, it's like, okay, you play yeah. decoy. So, yeah. We had so many people come to, so many, it's like, it's, it's like you take every horror movie you've ever seen, put it all together, and there was elements from, a, from every horror movie in this, in this, what happened. But let me, and, and like you know what, I, I, and yet, it sounds, did your family suffer from PTSD, like, afterwards, like, did they really believe, or were they, like they say? My mother-in-law, my mother, no, my husband did, my mother-in-law did, and my husband did. My husband, for the rest of his life, mm -hmm. could not. Like, if he was in the bedroom and it was dark out, he could not even walk to the kitchen without either myself or, or one of my children walking him to the kitchen. Yeah. I know he wasn't weak. I don't want you to think he was weak. Mm -hmm. He wasn't a weak man. Right. He just couldn't. He, he had this, this premonition when the entity was here. He was so petrified. He said he kept dreaming about this all the time that he would go out into the hall and his grandmother, who he adored, would show herself. And, and reach for him to hug him and then turn into the monster, he said. Oh. And so he was so frightened of this happening. So till the day he died, he could not sleep in the dark. There had to be a light on. And he couldn't, if he went out to the car at night, somebody had to go with him. Right. He couldn't be in the dark. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's understandable. My mother-in-law, bless her. My mother-in-law, she had, like I said, she had such faith in God that she just, that's what got her through this, was, was God. 
her faith in God, got her through it, made her strong. We had such stuff going on in the house, and it was so consistent that it became our life. I know people don't understand that. But if every day you go through the same kind of thing, right. knives and chairs, poisoning your food, this and that, it becomes almost, that's your norm. Right. Exactly. After two, three years, that's your normal life. So she almost adapted to it. Yes. She'd go to sit down, she'd have to check the chair. She'd go to eat, she had to check her food. It was like it was like that just became our life. And it was just it was just too much. It was just and Mr. Entity, like I said, he is I wish somebody would look at the pictures, like somebody really an authority, would look at the pictures, look at the spear, hear the story and try to explain it to me. Because it's been thirty years and to this day I have such questions. Why what happened did Mr. to your father in law respond to me? Why like my father-in-law left. He moved out of state mm -hmm. and eventually died. Okay. Never. We never saw him again. That's so. And they were married for almost fifty years. Okay. Let me ask you something. Him leave. Well, I know that you guys that she like quit him out of the room. Did. Did the him leaving the state coincide with the time that this demon just said, "Okay, I'm leaving with Gary," or was it totally different timing? No, no, it was com com completely different timing. Okay. He was already gone when, when Gary was here again. Gary came back when Dad had gone. Okay. Uh, ben, and like I said, we've never heard from him again. It was goodbye, my family. He started referring to us as, as his family. Which is not a good thing. He would say to people that came, don't, don't, yeah, yeah, don't lie to my family. And I would think, what does he mean by that? You know, right. there's so many questions I have. Right. I don't. I don't even know what Mr. Entity was. What was he? Right. He was intelligent. He he could. I mean, he knew things. He he spoke all languages. He was evil. There was that evilness to him. Oh no, absolutely. I don't want to go into it, but he killed a lot of our pets. Killed a lot of our pets. I don't want to even go into that because it's just too painful to think about that. Let me ask you, I mean, Debbie. He the, 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 us eight years. Let me ask you. This is this is the part. I know you guys looked at it as, so you're thinking that he was, what, in the background, and when that housekeeper did that ritual, it opened like a doorway? Is that what the theory is? I don't know. Okay. See, that doesn't anything. Here's what the experts told us, and the experts are what, what they know, what they know. They tried to figure out how this being came to us. And when we told him the story about, my mother told him the story about finding these things with Juanita, and how right. she said, "Burn the house down! Mm -hmm. Don't don't go in the house again." But right. all they can figure is that she performed some type of ritual, and that she opened a door, a portal, and either Mr. Entity had been waiting for an opportunity, okay. or he just came through, and this was all he made everything up. You don't you don't know. Right, right, right. right. All exactly. I can say is what I experienced, you know, and it's like it made me a. It, made me a different person and okay. because once you're really touched by this kinds of thing mm -hmm. when you see everything that you're taught as a child is make-believe isn't right. make-believe yes exactly this is not when like you, the when movies. you have to accept that because you live it yeah it's like you have to accept that then your whole your whole consciousness changes you know and it's and in a way it's kind of sad because you're kind of protected all yes. in the way you think when you're a child because you think of okay it's just you have to be careful of people mm -hmm. but then when you realize i don't just have to be careful of people there's a whole other dimensions that i have to be careful of that exist that really this this is true but but this is another thing it did 
I have, I always believe in balance. That if there's good, there's evil. If there's, mm-hmm. you know, happy, there's sad. There's got to be balance for anything to exist. Right. So I always believed in God, and I think the only reason I got through this and was never afraid is God had my back, and I knew He was. And even though I didn't think, oh, God's got my back, it's like I almost knew that I was protected. Right. And it's like when this stuff started happening, I always believed in God. But it was always, even though you believe in God, there's always that little question, is it real? Right. Yeah, like, you know, course. is it real? But after, after, after confronting Mr. Entity and living with him, if Mr. Entity can be alive and that evilness and that opposite of goodness is there, then God has to exist. Of course. Of course. So, and I you mean, know it, what? It did re- The fact that it didn't want that exorcism to take place, what does that tell you right there? Yeah. Yeah, but it was like I think back, and although it was a horrible time, mm-hmm. and and I try when I when I tell the story and I tell people about it, I can say how I felt because I wasn't frightened. If you heard from my fa- my my mother-in-law and my husband, you'd get a completely different perspective. Okay, you'd get that fear, mm-hmm. which you don't get from me, because I didn't have fear. But I, I look back at it now, and I can look back at it and think about it, and. It's just it's like almost like a dream sometimes, but it's like, like it was the most amazing thing that I could. And I'm glad I went through it. Like I, I'm glad I went through it, even though it was a horrible time. I'm glad I went through it because it changed me, and I and it, it, that was okay. It was it was supposed to happen. Maybe I'm supposed to have this fear because if I have it, nobody can have it. Right. Well, and you know what? And sometimes you could you could drive yourself crazy. The woulda, shoulda, coulda. How did this happen? Or why did this happen? Yeah. Sometimes. Now, let me ask you. And I, like, it sounds like you had a really close relationship with your mother-in-law. Did yes. she ever tell you a, any time during her lifetime, and she had experienced something similar? I mean, obviously not to this intensity or you know duration. But did she ever tell you? Oh, you know, as I was growing up or when I was younger, I had this happen to me. The the only thing that she would talk about was something that happened to her her mother, the one that died that Juanita was taken care of mm-hmm. when she was. A little girl, and she was living in Sicily. Right. She had she was a very religious family. She had gotten lost in the woods. Okay. And mother, uh, the, uh, the mother, the Virgin Mary came to her and guided her out of the forest. Really. And that was yes, and that was a story that she was very you know that really touched her because her mother told her what happened and how she she the Virgin Mary never talked to her, just took her hand and guided her out of the forest, so she was all right. So that was the only thing she never mentioned anything about ghosts or paranormal. Right, right, that right. was the only thing out of the ordinary that she talked about was that. That's that's very interesting. That really is very interesting. And it, 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 it's let me tell you that thing about your father-in-law being so giving the one giving permission. Because mm-hmm. all, a lot of the things almost like when you said that the pebbles were coming down, that's like very poltergeist. You, you hear a lot of poltergeist cases where they have stones coming in. Sometimes they're yeah. colder, sometimes they're hot to the touch. When you said mm-hmm. that, I was thinking poltergeist, but you know, the, obviously this is beyond poltergeist, especially the duration, because usually poltergeist stuff is only a few weeks and then it, you know, yeah. first you need an adolescent, you know, prepubescent, and you know, then it dies off yeah. after a couple of months or whatever. But. And that apporting thing? Yeah, it, the ports, that's the thing that to me was the spear, the the ports, the moving a truck. 
I mean, the things it could do, what, what couldn't it do? So what it happened? Did you, from did, the you, past. did you move at some point from the house, or what happened? No, 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 I would not move. This is our house. Okay. This is my house, and that's what I told him. He's going to okay. have to leave. I'm not. Okay. And it's been 30 years, and he's never been back. Okay, and about the and you also mentioned earlier that that corner where the three houses were at, that it's what they that's on the corner of Archibald and Arrow. People can even drive by if they're in Rancho Cucamonga and see it. This is a across from it is a school. It's a very you know it's Archibald Avenue. It's it's good property on there. Let me ask: Did they demolish right the houses, corner, or are they still there? Yeah, like a a year after we left, they they. They took the houses down. Really? They were just going to sell, trying to sell the property. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And it's been 30 years. Uh, that's a pretty long and time. No one, and I remember a friend of mine who was in, has, has tried to investigate, and a lot of people went into going to buy it, and then all of a sudden they back out. So 30 years, no one has developed that property. Sometimes they'll use it to park trucks on when they're doing um, uh, some kind of construction in the right. area. They rent it out. But other than that, it's completely empty. And it's a beautiful spot. It's like four or five lots right on the corner. You can Google it and look at it. I, let me tell you something. Yeah, that, that that's a pretty long time. Okay, so uh, Debbie, let me ask you, uh, as far as the book, uh, what's your website? Uh, or can they get it's, it at Amazon? Or where can they get a hold yes, of that book? I'm gonna, I'm, you can go to Amazon and get it. Okay. It's, uh, there's two two versions one is a uh fiction version which is based on a real story mm-hmm. that's the book is more of a story okay but it but it touches on what happened the other one is more of a documentary which i with pictures see i think the pictures are, are sure. i i'm fascinated by the pictures even though i took them so that's called unwelcome the unwelcomed and okay. it's 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 a, it's a book it's more of a like what happened but it's not too much filled with emotion like like i said right if right. it would have been my mother-in-law. It's more of like a documentary that I'm telling you, listen, this is what happened. It started out as being, I was going to just make a picture book because I wanted people to see the pictures because I over like 200 pictures, the 30-year-old pictures mm-hmm. of what happened back then, of the demon writing, of the things it did. So, and so uh, I wanted people to see those. And let me ask you, the um, after, after, you know, that... Let me ask you, and I know you told me that your husband suffered from PTSD and your poor mom-in-law, God. Was there a point, I'm sure for Uh you, that you really were finally truly convinced this thing is not coming back? That's it. It's done. How long did that take? Uh, Do you know what? Because we lived in the same bedroom, for like two years, two, three years afterwards, we still stayed in the same bedroom together. My mother-in-law couldn't sleep alone. So it took two or three years for her to even go to the bedroom next door to us. That's, so you know what? that's how long it took before. And that is, that's why I asked, because I'm, I was thinking to myself, after so many years of enduring this, okay, I was thinking, this had yeah. to take a bit to say, and like you said, after you had all these people come through the house and, you know, and even people that, like the Warrens, and they're still like, it didn't happen. I'm thinking... Everybody there must have been waiting any minute now. It's going to say, I'm back. You know, like one of those things like from the Poltergeist movie. Um, so, uh-huh. yeah, I, I don't, I'm not surprised that you're telling me that your your mother-in-law had to spend like a couple of years still like not, almost like ready to actually right. believe that that thing was totally gone. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just it just, it just doesn't go away. You know, it's in your you yes. you live it. You're scarred. Yes, that's PTSD. That is PTSD. That is that people don't realize yeah. sometimes that because everybody thinks of PTSD yeah. as like in wartime uh, events, you know, or experiences. Uh-huh. And people can have PTSD exactly by what you're describing. It could be a one-time thing, or it could be systematic, like what you guys endured yeah. for all those years, where, like you said, you guys had to live your life. But all of a sudden, your reality, you had to incorporate into the reality of your daily life. Right. It, we changed. Yes, absolutely. Our reality changed. And I think, I think what made it really bad was we were isolated. Yeah. If we had a lot of friends or people, I just came out here from New York, so I didn't even know anybody out here. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have anybody to rely on. And right. my mother, in fact, they, like I said, it would make it impossible for us to have friends because right. it would do things that you couldn't explain. Yeah. So it isolated us. And I think by isolating us, it made it even worse. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But, Absolutely. you know, like I said, this is the most amazing story. Yes. And I kept smiling about it for so many years that I, even to this day, talking to you, it's like it's very cathartic. I just feel, telling you about it, I feel good about it. you know? Yes. It's like I want, yes. want people to know these things. It's real. It, it happened. Whether you yes. believe me or not. Right, happened. exactly, right. Doesn't it, make, it, it, it doesn't change that it happened. It did. So yeah. it's, just, it's just an amazing story. Absolutely. Amazing. Debbie, I want to thank you so much for sharing this information. And if you could give out for my podcast listeners, which, even though I'll have a link in the credits, what is your website address? It's a deadlyhaunting.com. Deadlyhaunting.com. Great. Thank yeah. you so and much. Thank you you, so much. you have been great. like, this is, I've been like, there was a couple of times where I had goosebumps on my arms. I was like, oh, 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 my God. Yeah. Every t- fascinating story. So I urge everybody to go to your website and also the books on Amazon. Again, thank you so much. You have been a wonderful guest. Thank you so much. Darling, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I think what I've gone through underwear, like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I know there's people go, Marlene, I know you've talked about this before. Yes, I have. I have. I have. You know what, for those people, and the reason why I say this is, um, for those people, you know, it, it, even though, you know, based on what she said, eventually it got crazy. Did you see it was like, it was like, it, was, it didn't go from zero to 60 three days later, like what you see in the movies. It was something that started kind of weird, but not really scary. Like, okay, this is like, they're blaming their tenant. <laughs> you know, they're blaming the tenant. They're like, they're not thinking beyond uh, the ordinary. And this is what I'm saying. You know, they're, you're, you're, people are engaged in life. They sound like they're a young couple have starting a family, in-laws, normal stuff. And again, she's did her mother, uh, did the uh, grandmother caretaker have anything to do with it? Was that coincidental? Uh, could she have opened up a portal? Doing that. Now, in my experience, and, and this is the thing that sometimes people don't understand. 
maybe the caretaker's motivation, okay, was purely, not, and I'm not going to say selfishness. This lady depended on this job and she wanted to stay there. And her, she knew that her job, uh, her way of uh, basically maintaining herself was as long as this elderly patient or this uh, person was alive. There's nothing selfish. It's like, come on, you know, who? if this is your job, you know, this is like if you work at some place at a company, you, the last thing you want is for it to shut up and leave or, you know. So my point being that this, if, if, if the point of entry was the ceremony or whatever uh, that caretaker did, even though her tensions might have been to keep the grandmother alive because she needed the job and she knew that once this lady passed, they would have no need of her services. The, still the results were very dark because again when you um when you mess with things like this again if there was any blood animal sacrifice or you know they're saying feathers i mean we at this point they really don't know what it was but obviously this lady wasn't lighting candles in the catholic church is my point and the reason why i say this is that everybody thinks that a lot of the south american Countries, yes, it's very ha heavily Catholic, but they do have religious practices sometimes of, you know, like when you have this, the what's happened with a lot of like the voodoo and the, and the Santeria where they mesh Catholicism <clears throat> to indigenous, uh, you know, or African belief system and they come up with something uh, in all these countries in South America and Central America, they have a version of that where they've taken indigenous beliefs and they've meshed them with Catholicism. And the person practicing it could take, not all, but a lot of them consider themselves Catholic, but they also learn because this lady obviously, and this is the difference also without knowing the particulars, there's people uh, that will believe in these types of different uh, kind of occult practices or kind of, kind of like Catholic slash whatever. They believe it, and maybe they'll wear an amulet or a talisman, but they don't practice it in the sense of creating the ritual or the spell work or the items. In other words, they got to go to somebody, okay, and they'll say, uh, for example, hey, I need a blah, blah to keep my lover faithful, whatever. And then this person will prepare something for them and give it to them. So they believe it, but they really don't practice it or they have the knowledge of the preparation. If this lady had all this stuff in her house, chances are she was practicing it. Maybe she had somebody come in and do it. Who knows? But chances are she practiced it. And even though it sounds like what the next day she's hightailing it out of the house, um, again, even if she practiced it or somebody told her, do this, do that, my point being that there's sometimes people that don't know what they're doing, but they're successful. It's almost like, you know, beginner's luck. Yeah. Everybody thinks that sometimes invoke certain beings or spell work you have to be very experienced or you you know for anything to happen not really sometimes people they do it and it happens and of course 
that's the worst thing because they can't control what it is that they do. And as a matter of fact, if you think about it, if you have an entity from the other side that is trying to break through to this dimension, don't you think a, 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 a practitioner or quasi or somebody doesn't know what they're doing? The first, this is like the per, this is the perfect person that they want to be invoking them. Somebody that has no idea what they're doing, so much less knows how to control them or banish them or anything like that. And then we go into, okay, what this entity was telling Deborah about, uh, you know, uh, her mother-in-law being promised, you know, in a prior lifetime. Uh, the father-in-law being a reincarnated monk where they practiced uh, occult ceremonies in a monastery. I mean, it sounds far-fetched, but why not? Why not? But then again, these things are deceptive. You know, they'll, they'll tell you a bunch of true stuff, like, you know, certain things just to make you think everything that it's describing is absolutely true. And then it will twist what it wants in the the lion there all right so i think um that the the story she says is fascinating it's a cautionary tale uh for those people sometimes that want to dabble in things and i've heard that some people dabble and that's how i've said it and then when they want to put their brakes on and backpedal on it they can't uh or um even in that thing that she described, how her father-in-law was possessed, that was wow. And again, you know, this, like she said, which I was surprised because, to be honest with you, if, if anybody had the attachment, I would have thought it was her father-in-law. Obviously, he wasn't a nice person. And if he's going in there and trying to converse with a demonic being, basically trying to use it as a hitman it's like what is that okay so i would have thought that if anybody that was carrying this around would have been him that's why i asked her when he left did what happened was that the point that it exited or uh you know like what, what was it that that allowed him how's that to be able to um to surrender his wife or the soul of who his wife was at this point to a demon and very riveting story so guys wow uh make sure to check out uh, her books and you know you've seen the the covers and if not you can deborah moffitt m-o-f-f-i-t-t -T, and again the website is adeadlyhaunting.com if you want more information if you want to see the book covers which are available on amazon let me tell you something this is like this sounds like the kind of books that you read and then of course you go to sleep with the lights on at least for a bit so again guys thank you so much for being part of my audience you're all wonderful and sleep tight we did it again verizon was just named america's most reliable network by root metrics for the 16th time in a row proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. 
best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by root metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks.